0: Are you pregnant or a new mother steering parenthood? Pregnancy and birth of a baby is a life changing event. An event which will make you happy, weepy, frustrated, joyous, and exasperated all at once. Hi, welcome to my podcast, Baby Ahoy. I'm your host, birth coach, and expert, Chitra I'm a birth enthusiast who loves drinking cups of chai, taking long walks in the woods, and all things interiors in equal measure. I will be talking to an interviewee every other week to discuss birthing experiences, coping with the new role of being a parent, and other valuable topics to help you navigate parenthood. This journey is bumpy but certainly blissful. Join me from wherever you are for a fun conversation. In
1: the beginning, you know, I would have a lot of people around me when I would start talking about um, not being really confident or not being really okay with, with uh, my delivery. I would have people uh, saying or gaslight me, saying, oh but you have a healthy baby, but yes. this is this is not the most like this is not the outcome that we are striving for in in <laughs> 21st century." Uh, I would kind of dismiss the feeling, and I would not recognize my trauma and this will of course uh, it became way worse and it took me a very long time to understand how traumatic this birth was for me as a as a as vasya so uh, i remember though my midwife post afterwards in postnatal care um we were talking about my delivery and she really wanted how i was really passionate of going unmedicated i was convinced that I could do it. And I was so disappointed. I was feeling like a failure. Uh, I wasn't those supported at all. I was al- I was left alone in a hospital to practically deliver a baby. And we would talk about my delivery. And then she said, Vasya, maybe you should go with this midwifery practice if there is a second baby ever. So she recommended another practice. She said, "I know that I'm working against my own practice, but I think this practice will suit you. Will suit you more, and they do home deliveries. It's been three years, a lot of work, but you know, a trauma is a trauma, and it's. Re- it, I have I have come. Yes, I have come in terms with how my first delivery went. Mm. I have I accepted it. It's a it's a part of my story as a mom." But a trauma is a trauma, And of course, yes. some emotions will be there. Of course. Of but course. it's still, still really emotional for me. I remember the first time we met and yeah. I was talking about my best story. I couldn't even finish it. I would, I would yes. need to cry. Yes. So I'm happy right now that I can actually narrate it without crying. <laughs> <laughs> when I got pregnant with Viron, um, we, actually we weren't thinking about having a second child. But then I, I got pregnant and it was totally unplanned but this pregnancy ended in a miscarriage so we started this was like the beginning of starting having the conversation having a second child Mm. and um, i think two months later after that miscarriage i became pregnant again we thought okay we will start slowly but you know it happened immediately this time yes way too far way too fast so
0: yeah, but how was that for you though, um, Basia, as an experience of having to miscarry and then was it difficult for you to process or was it okay Were you... No, for me, it, it was a really...
1: No, it was really, for me, I, um, I, I'm... I don't know, I'm one of <laughs> these birthing people that I do not establish immediately a bond with my baby, especially in the beginning. I feel like, you know... Uh, Mother Nature did a job. So probably the embryo wasn't genetically correct or so. So Mother Na- I'm grateful that I miscarried naturally and everything was fine. So it, it didn't have, the miscarriage didn't have an impact on me. Um, it wasn't emotional. It was just a fact. Miscarriages happened and this is how I, I viewed it. So it wasn't for me. Um, it didn't have an emotional impact, but this was just, the beginning of a conversation between us. Uh, Do we want a second child? Maybe we should try... Um, when would it be like? Is there a good moment for a second child? I don't know exactly.
0: Exactly. exactly. Yes. Yeah. Where we those we're important in conversations, you know, because it is definitely exactly. Like, you know, you're a family and unit of three, and then when you add one more yes. to the mix, and how is that going to be? You know, how impact exactly. that be as the, also. As a I was in
1: in my first year of my PhD, so was it the right moment in my career launching career as a PhD candidate, etc. So We thought everything was right. Uh, Two months later, I got pregnant again. And the first phone call this time that I made was to this midwifery practice to book an appointment. I I think around week eight or so, I started having um, blood, you know, in pregnancy. It might be normal, but it might not be normal. Um, So I... For my peace of mind, I chose to have a a first day to ultrasound around week eight. So I went back because the hospital, so we have two hospitals in in our region. I was planning to go to the other hospital, but they wouldn't accelerate my appointment um, because of blood. They would say you had a previous low risk pregnancy, so there is no point. Blood is not good, but you know, an ultrasound won't help you either. If it's supposed to be another miscarriage, this is how it's going to be. So I gave a try to go back to the other hospital where I delivered. And they did book me an early ultrasound. And uh, it was just for my peace of mind to know, am I pregnant? I'm not pregnant. Sure, that <laughs> is I don't like surprises as a person. So I remember walking in the corridor and having... Uh, difficulty in breathing, like a small panic attack was coming up. And I thought, this is not the hospital that I want to <laughs> to uh, come back. Mm-hmm. So, this was the last time I went to the, that hospital. And then I transferred the care of the other pregnancy to the other hospital. And, and mm-hmm. uh, everything went well. I met with my midwife, and um, everything was going on. We, you know, through COVID, though. Through, through the second true, lockdown, etc. We would talk, she would ask me, are you doing hypnobirthing? So she she would actually commence the conversation about hypnosis, meditation, are you walking? I really liked the approach that it was about me. It wasn't about the baby. Good. It was, of course, about the baby, but it was also about me as a person, as a, as a birthing person, as a mother. and Also, the conversation would go about Nicola's um, how he was dealing with my growing belly. So I loved it. and But at the same time, I had to go for the three ultrasounds to the hospital because this is obligatory in Belgium. And it really, it really annoyed me that at the hospital, they knew that my plan was to deliver at home. But I kept on hearing every time I would go for an, for an ultrasound that my baby was measuring big. Especially in the last ultrasound mm. that I went for, she asked me w- whether I was sure that I was going to deliver at home because my baby seemed too big and assuming that I would be too much in pain or so. Kind of trying to medicalize my pregnancy, it did come from the hospital, but I could, I could restrain it because my previous experience and because of the conversations that I already had with my midwife and because of the hypnobirthing courses that we did together. Everything went great, and I wasn't I wasn't really anxious at all uh, throughout the pregnancy. Um, you know, second pregnancy flies by; <laughs> you don't really understand when. Yes. <laughs> I don't even know how fast it yeah. went. And um, in Belgium, you're supposed to work until the very end of your pregnancy to have 14 weeks mm-hmm. postnatal. So I stopped working mm. um, entering week 39, okay. and. Uh, It was like a huge relief. I thought, everything is done. You know, I just want a couple of days of rest. (laughs) And then the baby can come. Exactly. But the baby had other plans. So Friday, I stopped working. And uh, Sunday, Sunday, no, Saturday, we had a really nice family day. It was was raining. So we were, the three of us at home. We were, I was really tired, really tired. But I thought... Mm -hmm. It was because, you know, I had finished up work and I was heavily pregnant. So I thought, hmm, it's normal. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's yeah, third exactly. trimester end of pregnancy, so it's normal. But I was really tired. I remember falling asleep at the carpet. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But that, that was a sign, of course, uh, that my labor was um, starting. So uh, Nicolas like, knew it. He slept around 6 o'clock. Um, he ate dinner. He slept around six o'clock. So Kun and I had a couple of hours done <laughs> watching a, a series. We a rest. It was really peaceful, you know, the day before. And I think it was around half past one at night. I woke up feeling something. I, it wasn't like it wasn't even a sensation. Like, it's something. I went to the toilet and really? I noticed that I, I had diarrhea. So I knew that this was a sign that you know labor was starting,
0: and this was how many was, weeks it was thirty
1: nine weeks and one day. Okay, around the same time as Nicholas's. I had the doula so throughout this pregnancy because I was going to say and well, text my doula, yeah. so she really helped me throughout the pregnancy and not really with uh, hypnobirthing because we had gone that through uh, hypnobirthing techniques with you, but she would help me. Uh, you know, devote two hours of the week to this baby and to this pregnancy and to myself. We would talk about how I'm feeling and how grounded I was, uh, the fears that I had as you know, mom of two, uh, because I was really afraid. Uh, the bond that I had built with Nicolas took a lot of months to be built. And I was really afraid that this bond would be, yeah, kind of, breaking dissolving after the second baby the baby was was uh, would come so we would take a lot of time talking about my fears and she really helped me relax and saying you know everything is going to be fine and if it's not fine mm-hmm. you we will work it out so she really helped me right. keep my peace of mind yes it, go go with the flow kind of um, because I'm natural control freak. <laughs> I like controlling a lot of stuff, but how can you control labor and delivery and, and a pregnancy? So she would help me release my fears and relax. And she w- she told me by the end of, because I was really, I had a small panic attack uh, around week 37, 38, I was making my um, birth plan. And I was sure that I wasn't going to be overdue, date but overdue. <laughs> I wasn't going to go over my due date, but I was going, I wanted to explore all the possibilities. So I, in the middle of COVID as well, I wanted to be sure if I needed to be induced, who would be there? Like if I needed to transfer care from my midwife to the hospital, could I have somebody from my birth team with me, etc. So I would call the hospital and they wouldn't allow me to have anybody, neither my doula nor my midwife. It would have to be me and my husband in that delivery room. It was kind of, uh, what what am I going to do now? Because, as I said before, there were two hospitals, there are two hospitals here, and the hospital that I was going for ultrasounds wouldn't allow anybody. You know, I went... If the transfer of care was going to be uh, transferred to the hospital, was it okay for me to change hospitals? Because there are two options here: to go back to the hospital where I previously delivered, because they would allow for a midwife to be in the delivery room. Right. So we would we were having this kind of conversations with my birth team and with my midwife, and uh, they reassured my midwife reassured me. Look, if in case. You know, transfer of care has to go to the hospital. We could go back, but this time we will we'll be with you. Things won't go as they went previous time. So yes, so for me it was important to have somebody else with me during labor, Um if I was supposed to deliver at the hospital setting. So I was open to go back to the previous ho- to the hospital where I delivered Nicolas, only in case only on condition that my midwife would be with me
0: yeah that is definitely quite a conversation yes. right like you know you don't want to actually go back and have the same experience but then when you're sitting down and writing your birth preferences we always say think about all different scenarios and this can be quite startling and then and then you're thinking gosh i don't want this exactly and it's really hard to sort of overcome that exactly. fear exactly
1: i remember i remember calling my doula <laughs> telling her I'm kind of anxious right now, you know, what am I supposed yeah. to do? She said, it's fine, call both hostels, engage in a conversation, uh, if you can, you know, through the phone with the hostel. see and discuss with the midwives where they can attend, or if, as a doula, if she, as a doula, could come. Yeah. Um, so then we chose to go to another, if I was supposed to be induced, to go to the other hostel in order to have a midwife with me, my midwife with me. But it wasn't, again, it wasn't necessary. So I noticed that I had some sensations and I went to the toilet. I woke up saying, I feel something. I, I, I'm not that sure, but I'm feeling something just to let you know. I said, I'm going to lay down. If I can sleep, if I fall asleep, then it's nothing. It's false labor. If I want to move, then, you know, I'm delivering. And we knew from the previous time that my labor will go fast. <laughs> so when I say I'm delivering, everybody had to be notified. So I lay I lay back in bed, but I noticed I had to move. So I stood up and I told Kun, I'm going to the toilet. I'm going to, to, to uh, text our And you should call the midwives. This was, in the meanwhile, I don't know, 10 to to 2. Meanwhile, the surges were more and more. And um, I I was trying to count them. (laughs) And I noticed that they would come every three to four minutes. Yeah, for me, it wasn't really intense. Uh, So we notified everybody, all the birth team. And we went downstairs because we had to uh, fill in the swimming pool. (laughs) Nothing was ready in the living room. (laughs) Um,
0: All this stuff, like we had to make the room. Yes, so the bath had to be put up and, you know, the bath had to be like filled in. Surges and waves, it's impossible.
1: (laughs) So Kun had to do it by himself. I was in denial. I was thinking this is probably false labor, we are bringing everybody over on on the on a Sunday <laughs> Sunday morning for nothing, uh, <laughs> like oblivious. You know, this, nothing is happening. <laughs> In the meanwhile, every yeah. every like two minutes, I had yeah, to squat. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh,
1: because a wave would come. Um, I think by by twenty past two or so, um, our, our doula and midwife would come uh, mm. and arrived and. I was I was in the kitchen because they were preparing in the living room and everything the lights were dimmed in the kitchen. In the living room, it was chaos. They were running and they were running because my the waves would come faster and faster. Now it was every two minutes. So my labor was progressing really fast. Wow. Um and the, so the midwife with Kun uh, were trying to get everything ready and the doula came with me in the kitchen and we were just surfing through the waves, let's say. At one point, I I mm-hmm. felt the uh, the need to go to the toilets. I had to vomit again, so it was a sign again that I was entering transition really fast. I remember um, the midwife coming to the kitchen and telling me, the pool is ready if you want to go in. And I was like, oh, my labor just started. What to go in? Let it be for the end. <laughs> remember my midwife saying so you were still thinking yes i was thinking it's going to take a while and i remember my midwife saying but i think you're really close to the end and i remember asking what time is it anyway (laughs) and she said it's almost three o'clock and uh and before entering the pool i remember i had a small Yes, I had the mini panic attack and I remember hugging him before and during the pool and telling him, I started crying and telling him, it's going again so fast. It's so intense for my body. I don't think I can do it. And I remember him hugging him, uh, hugging me back and saying, I'm here for you and my doula behind me saying you're safe. Everything is going to be fine. We're here with you to support you. Uh, so I, it was really so it's a soothing sensation like everything is fine you know you have a support network around you and and it's fine and so I remember yeah. also telling my doula today I told her today today meaning like Saturday morning I it was the only day that I needed because I was so convinced to have a positive birth experience this time that I was I was listening to podcasts with positive birth experiences etc it was the only day that I kind of doubted myself, and I needed some reinforcement. So I would listen again to my favorite, uh, you know, stories or episodes mm-hmm. of positive both birth experiences, just to, to get encouraged. And she told she told me, "You're you're doing great. You mm-hmm. you are doing great. This is what you're supposed to do. Listen to your body. You're doing great." So uh, you know, with all the loved ones, let's say, um, I told I told Kun put my favorite song <laughs> from the hypnobirthing list because I I I realized that my labor was going so fast that it wasn't going to last forever. So I said, just put my favorite song on repeat. I didn't want to listen to any other song. Just my the song on repeat, the song that says only this phrase I have (laughs) remembered. I'm open to the universe. This is like the most powerful phrase for me and it got stuck with me throughout my whole labor. So he put on this song and I entered the pool. And yeah, the rest I don't really remember (laughs) because I told them for for the next 10 minutes you can communicate with me. Then I'm not going to be able to communicate that much. I know myself I'm going to just shut down. Just, you know, go, bear with me and go with the flow. Uh, but what I do remember is being in the pool and, like, trying to find the changing positions instinctively, let's say. And and and, and although there were three people around me at the end, also another midwife mm-hmm. came because there are were, there were supposed to be two midwives um, at the end in Belgium. So four people were in my living room. Out of all people with eyes closed, I remember trying to read school and trying, I was looking for bodily contact. I, and and now from the pictures, we have some pictures that the midwife uh, likely took. I see that I'm trying, he, like I'm holding his hands. I didn't have this in the first delivery. Like in the first delivery, I want to be left alone. I told him, don't touch me. <laughs> in the second delivery, though, I was really looking for mm. physical contact. It was really mm-hmm. intense for me, so... And I remember at one point telling them, I cannot go further. How much longer is, is it going to take?
0: And those real classic hallmark and labor, you yes, know, when, yes. when the working person says, I can't do this. It's intense. What she's going through is intense.
1: Everybody was saying, You're yes. doing great. I was I was like I wasn't feeling in danger. So it was as was in the previous del- delivery because I was feeling safe. It was just really intense for me. It was going really fast. And at that point, my midwife said, Vasca, I think you're actually fully dilated. Would you want me to check? But I think your water is not broken yet. So the baby doesn't have a lot of uh, space. Do you want me to check for you? So I said, Yes, I would like you, uh, to check. So until that point, there was no vaginal examination at all. No, she said she she told me afterwards, as soon as I entered in your living room, I saw a woman in labor. It wasn't necessary. But she told me as soon as I entered your living room and I saw you squatting and the noises that you were making, I knew that you were in labor. So for me, there was no point. They have a vaccinal examination.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what the midwife actually should be looking for. And that's what they do. You know, they really look at the birthing person to see, you know, is yes. the mother in in her conscious mind having is very social or is she having a conversation? No. Is the mother squatting? The mother is moving, she's making all these different sounds, her face is pink because of the oxytocin and the endorphin's high. That's enough. Those are all enough signs to know that the mother is actually in labor, the birthing person is in labor. You know, now I have flashbacks. <laughs> I
1: remember uh, I remember before entering the pool, my midwife came to me because she w- was setting everything ready. And I remember after the crying outburst that I had with Kun hugging me, she came to me and she said, I'm so sorry if I made you do something that you didn't want because I was crying. She saw that I was upset. And I, saw, I said, it's not you. It's just like, I'm supposed to deliver fast, and <laughs> we both started laughing. <laughs> we both started laughing. So she said the pool is ready for you. So this is where I, when I entered, and and uh, so she at that point when she asked me, "Do you want me to check?" I said, "Yes, I want you to check." And if my water is not broken, break it. So make more space for the baby. And um, so she checked me. She said you are fully dilated, but I still feel uh, the amniotic sac and you know after 3 seconds or so the sac broke and i felt like gush of water coming out in the pool mm. uh, for me it wasn't really because it went so fast i was constantly feeling pressure right. so it wasn't really a clear distinction from or difference in the in the pushing shes- sensation this point, this time but I, At one point I said, oh, because I was trying to find a comfortable position in in the pool uh, to push because I was feeling a lot of pressure, but I I wasn't really comfortable. Um, And I remember telling my midwife, I really want to go to the toilet. I think it will help me. She said, "I, I I cannot allow you to go to the toilet because it's a second child and I'm afraid that, you know, they... It will go faster and we don't fit all together. But I have a birthing stool with me. Would you like to sit on it? And I said, yes, yes, this is how it is. (laughs) This is like the dream kind came true. Because I wasn't really comfortable in the water. I was more floating. Yes, I was more floating than I really wanted to, I don't know, be stable.
0: Right, because the buoyancy was sort of like making you move. But the water didn't help me. So she put the,
1: the birthing stool. I didn't. In the meanwhile, I didn't want to come out of the water because the water was warm. could <laughs> just put uh, you know a robe around me. And uh, we went together to the birthing stool. He was sitting behind me. and I think four pushes four later, yeah Viron was born. Yeah, he was born. And, and I remember I remember my midwife telling me, I'm telling her, am I doing it correctly? And she was telling me, just follow your body, follow your body, fill your surges when I'm not going to tell you to push. Um, The only time that she told me in the next surge that they will come push a bit harder was because the baby, um, because my labor went so fast and intense, the baby stayed for a while in the birth canal. Yes, so he had to be born. So, but he was at the last push or so. So with four pushes, he was born in our living room. (laughs)
0: Wow. Wow. Well done, Vasya. It's amazing. It's amazing. And also, like when you were narrating this story, I could sort of feel that, you know, the things that you couldn't do the previous time, you did it all this time, you know, having the support of the midwife, exactly of, you know koon having the support of your doula preparing yourself with hypnobirthing you had your birthing team you had you know you had the confidence and trust in yourself and with your baby and you chose to give birth at after home.
1: having the courses with you and and having a lot of discussions with a lot of people and health professionals i realized that birth is not something that you only have at the hospital setting, you can have it at home, and because probably this is going to be our last baby, we wanted our toddler also to be there. If actually Nicholas woke up because at the point that you know I was pushing, I needed to make voice, and I used a lot of uh, vocalization, so um, I was making noises. I don't know what noises. If you ask Nic- Nicholas, he will he will actually remember. He does remember what voices I, I made. And I remember pushing and saying, oh, my God, Nicholas woke up. And Ardulla went to him and brought him downstairs as soon as the baby was born. So for me, it was really important to experience this as a family. It wasn't only about me and Kun. It was also about him having, you know, a baby brother. So it was a family event. And this was this made both... A home birth made it possible, so I'm really, Correct. really grateful.
0: Ah, oh, how amazing is that? And this was again. So Viron also decided. So he came at 39 weeks and one day, whereas Nicholas was 39 weeks and four days. Amazing! and amazing. And and how is it for the both babies in terms of postpartum? And I know that with postpartum with Nicholas, yes. you know, you sort of struggled a little bit.
1: Yes, postpartum was totally different. Totally different. Well, I'm I'm not. the mother that will fall in love immediately with a baby. Like, I'm not this kind of person that falls in love with anybody. (laughs) Like, I need need some time to get accustomed and to get familiar with the other person in my life, also with my baby. (laughs) It was certainly more calm, certainly more calm. I could move because... The previous time because of the episiotomy I was given I had stitches I had hemorrhoids it was it was horrible like my parton I couldn't sit simple stuff going to the toilet would hurt this time it was totally different and although although I had stitches as well this time mm. because I wasn't cut but I, you know I torn a bit where my previous um, episiotomy happened um it was totally different. Totally different. I didn't have hemorrhoids because I, I, I was pushing based on my own sensations. And when my body told me to push, uh, I, I could move. I, it was, it was, it, I wasn't foggy. Like the more striking for me, I wasn't foggy. I, I was I, totally, I was totally conscious about what I was doing. You know, not falling in love with the baby, but I didn't want to leave him. Like I, I didn't give him. To another person or so With Nicholas it wasn't like that I remember leaving the room And having just the baby on the bed with me mm. Like I didn't feel the need to touch him Or so This time it was totally different And and my postpartum was really amazing Really different And mm. now I understand That you know it can happen otherwise It's not, it's not one way um, Also with Although we had a toddler at home Toddlers can be <laughs> Sometimes, you know, difficult. It didn't, it wasn't that difficult for us as a family. For me, it felt like a natural transition from three to four, you know. And afterwards, what was really important for me, we, after I delivered, and we spent, I think, around an hour or so together at the couch, the four of us, while the midwives and the doula were in my kitchen and, you know, filling in paperwork and stuff. Uh, But we spent, An hour or two as a family of four at the couch. Yeah, just us. And they asked us, they asked us, do we need anything? My, my, um, Dula also gave me a foot mashas. Um, so it was amazing. (laughs) After a while, I told the midwife, I'm kind of having contractions again. And she said, the placenta must be coming out. And just the placenta came out naturally. So nothing, yes, nothing. I, and I told because I was really, really anxious about these yeah. stage, um, she told me, We'll see what happens. I I mean, I'm there, you're there, we will communicate if if you need to go to the hospital, I will communicate it to you. It's not that you know, we'll say, Oh now you have to go to the hospital. It won't be a surprise. Um but nothing nothing happened. <laughs> That's amazing. I don't want to exaggerate, but I think this is going to be the most unforgettable experience in my life. And I thought, I remember myself telling them, I was almost at the end and I I was telling them, I'm never going to do that again. And 10 minutes after delivering, I was telling them, I'm definitely going to do that again. (laughs) Although I know, I, I don't know if I want more children, but, you know, delivering like that. Oh my God, it was amazing. Amazing. Amazing.
0: No, but I also think that, you know, um, it came from the space of, I need to do this for myself, for you to sort of like have that empowering experience. And I also really liked what you sort of mentioned when we were having this conversation, you just sort of said that this is a story that we want to have as a family together. It's not only about me, it's for the four of us. So I didn't want to have you know Nicholas' birth story as the one where it's going to be a reminder, but I wanted it to be a different sort of an experience and you got it with Viren's birth we would never never go through something
1: without or like going through something that it tends as, as you know birth without actually knowing anything in advance a lot of people do that but i i definitely recommend to be educated before before because for me it's very important an informed decision about your body um, it's very very important if you plan to have a c section it's fine if you plan to have an epidural it's fine but it needs to be your choice. Um, and as long as choices are given to you. Uh, so I, I definitely think, you know, hypnobirthing should be... For me, I actually want to buy a hypnobirthing course for all my, my friends that are now having a first baby. I think it's absolutely necessary if you're a pregnant person. So I definitely recommend it. And I'm really, really glad, you know, because of COVID... We actually got to meet, and I could attend your class online. i I was delightful. I, you know, I was delighted that you invited me. I was really like looking forward to do this, and I, for me, you know, hypnobirthing is a must if you are a birthing person, a pregnant person, and 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 a family, you know, that is going to have a child. It's about, you know, devoting this time. Not only for you, as you know, preparing for uh, labor, but also you know you, you especially bringing to your course other aspects like postnatal plan and what to do if you are a family or you know taking care of meals, etc. So a lot of things that you know young parents mm. do not think they're important, but they're really important when you when you are having a you know when you have a newborn constantly on you and and I think everybody should follow these courses. This, this is like child birthing, postnatal <laughs> parenting, mass course, <laughs> all included. Yes. And 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 I think it's really important to recognize that you know birthing people do have rights and it's not about one policy fits all and it's not about you know, because somebody did something, you have to go through the same experience. And we constantly hear stories as my first birth experience, you know, negative stories. I recently watched a documentary Birth Time and it was saying that one women, one in three women come actually traumatized out of child labor. And it's it's devastating. And um, it, it, we need to change that. So I definitely recommend taking whatever empowers you, hypnobirthing courses, definitely.
0: Thank you to all of you, my lovely listeners, for tuning into my podcast. I hope you found this episode informative. If you really like my podcast, then please do subscribe for more such episodes. Please feel free to share the podcast with your family and friends. And this will help others know that this podcast exists. Thank you once again and see you all next time.